What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Middle cough! Heavy Habes! Did, uh, did Ease help you get through the NBA All-Star game? Uh, no, it didn't, actually. It took There's Sunday nothing, off. Nothing, <laughs> nothing could have helped, John. Nothing. No, I mean, God, that, that is a terrible display of effort. That's happy, a terrible... Happy President's Day, John. Happy, happy President's Day. You know what did actually help get me through... Sunday was just the Genesis open. Yeah. Because they had some rain. Now I didn't necessarily catch it at like six thirty in the morning, but they fucking played from like six forty five to like six you know, till the sun went down basically. Right. And Jim Nance was like just an incredible display of effort and uh longevity by and in fairness, even Tiger after it was like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> you know, it's just because it was a crazy kind of week because they kept getting rain delays, it was super cold. And as someone that likes golf, I, I can't stand playing golf in the cold, and it kind of does throw these guys off. I'm with you. doesn't interest me at all. Like, I see all these pictures, and you've been to Bandon Dunes. I see everyone's photos from Bandon Dunes. 90% of the time, they look, it looks miserable to me. Well, the one, the, when, I, when we played Bandon Dunes, and it was 50-mile-an-hour winds, like, it's not, you know, I mean, I played with one guy that's like uh, – basically i mean he's played on the pga tour he can shoot par no one else can break like a hundred it's not it's stupid you know even yet you could tell yesterday was really hard for those guys you know and uh and ultimately the chubby guy won i was you know everyone was rooting for jt and i was like you know i'm rooting for jb Hill. I, I like a guy with a gut every once in a while getting a win yeah and he did do you know who really earned their money out there this weekend who's that the caddies they did one hundred percent. They earned their ten percent or their point oh five percent, whatever their player chose to pay them. All of those guys are uh, are actually on, uh, you know, get the legitimate price. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to Matt Kuchar's guy now driving around the neighborhood in his new Navigator. And he's like, I made it, bitch. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> one fifty, dog. You thought everyone was going to be happy with fifty? He gave me six figs. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Ease. John Ease, the best delivery platform to get the best legal, licensed, fully tested marijuana products delivered to you in California. Keep tweeting and Instagramming and DMing us all your orders because uh, we were getting your uh, DMs over the weekend. Just pictures of ba- everyone getting their ease, John. Everybody getting their ease. Anyone over 21 or 21, that is. And, mo- and most of our listeners are in that sweet, probably 25 to 38 demographic. Yeah, I just made up that demo. <laughs> But, you know, fr- fresh rolled cannabis, pre-rolls, vapes. I got multiple Instagram DMs of videos of dudes taking a hit of the vape, saying thank you to our new friends at Ease. One guy kind of lives down by you, uh, down by the performance of Modern Arts, the building. And he was telling me he was going to go play golf today. His parents are a member somewhere in, like, the South Bay and said that he ordered it. And I said, tell all your friends. He's like, I'm already telling all my friends. I just I always say that tell all your friends so you order and then tell your friends word of mouth 
Our friends at Ease, they just came to the East Bay last week. They've been in the city forever. They've entered Southern California, Long Beach, Orange County, Sacramento. They're coming to the Valley. They're everywhere, guy. Ease.com for regular discounts and price drops and get $20 off uh, your first order. Also, guy, over when you use $50. The promo code ham. When you use the promo code HAM, you get a free delivery. When you use the promo code HAM, you get 20 bucks off your first order. Well you order over 50 bucks, you get a free delivery. Uh, anyone 21 and over, you can get verified online in minutes. Check out everything they got. And uh, and then it gives you the countdown because the driver will be there in minutes, not hours or days. Ease.com, E-A-Z-E.com, promo code HAM, promo code HAM, promo code HAM, 20 bucks off your first delivery. And as John said, delivery is always free on well, orders there, over 50 there, bucks. There's also no better time. Because I don't know if you've checked the calendar these next three or four days. There's nothing going on. I mean, nothing. The NBA has this extended break, you know, that LeBron pushed for. I don't think there were games till Thursday. Uh, Baseball, nothing is even happening yet. Football, nothing. So, I mean, this is a a rough time, guy. This is a rough time. Is is the NBA All-Star game as bad as the NFL's Pro Bowl, John? Is it as bad? I'll give you some numbers here. Um, do you know what how many score 227 to 220? I'll give you one number. Actually, we won't go too deep into the box score. Do you know how many three pointers were attempted in the NBA all-star game? I know that Dame Lillard only attempted three pointers and had 18. Okay. So I guess say that again, your question, total three pointers, total game. three point attempts. Final score was in like the one sixties or seventies. So Typical game, the Rockets can have 50, 100. Uh, I'll go 147. Close. Very good number. Very, very good. 167. A lot. A lot. A lot of threes. Dudes are gunning. There were 410 total shots, though. So a lot of non-threes. It's, it's like the ultimate Daryl Morey stat game because it's only dunks and threes. Well, actually, I would guess – forty. so I did the math here. 41% of the attempts were threes. That's probably lower than Daryl would like. True. What do you think? He wants 50-50? 55%. I don't, I'm sure it's been written many times what Daryl wants. Was it worse than the Pro Bowl? Do you think we're nostalgic about what the game looked like when we were growing up with like Jordan and those guys? It you does know, feel like we played a little I more. mean, I think we are a little bit. I mean, there's no question the game was better. Was it that good? Like, really that good? I don't remember Because guys like have always been thrown off the backboard to themselves and I stuff like yeah, that. I don't ever remember feeling like, oh, I can't wait to watch the greatest athletes compete in the NBA All-Star game. I don't, I don't, I never felt that way growing up in the 90s. Now, maybe the All-Star game in the, when they really got, you know, in the late 80s, was it that? I, people talk about it like it was sometimes. But I think, that's natural the way society works, and it's usually well, bullshit. Also, when it's gotten this bad, like this non-competitive, you know. Although, like you told me, last year was better. Well, because they incentivized it with a little more cash, I think, and it was the first year of the draft. This year, you could tell from the jump, you're like, these guys don't give a shit, and people were tweeting. And there was a girl that I went to Cal Poly with. Cal Poly, did I? She she Instagrammed a video on like late Saturday night. She lives in Charlotte. And Anthony Davis and LeBron were out, and a lot of people were tweeting like, "These dudes are hungover as shit," and that was like an early advantage for Steph's team. You're like, "Well, they're not as big of drinkers, you know." Like the one is that why, had, is that how Steph's team got drafted, Team Giannis? Yeah, and what the, you know, the team with Harden was the main culprit, and LeBron. I also think the NBA. Did you see any of the highlights from Dwayne Wade's like roast? No. He got roasted, and it feels like, God, he's been on a retirement tour for like six years. Did Kevin Hart host it? No, just like Chris Paul threw it for him. And, you know, Magic and Charles and, and Mello and just people. It, it was a roast slash like a celebration of his career. But everyone in the video, and this is kind of the LeBron generation, had a glass of wine. It's one thing, like, people have a glass of wine at dinner or whatever. I'm not a big wine guy, but I do think if you get the average male, you know, from 25 to 40, on something that's a non-school night that's a party, some might have a glass of wine, but there's going to be a large percentage of beer and cocktail drinkers. Why do no one in the NBA drink a cocktail? Like, you watch Michael Jordan, 
he drinks like whiskey on the rocks. Like, have they jumped the shark of being like really soft? Like, you guys can have a vodka. Well, why do they only drink wine? It's starting to kind of bother me, guy. Like, you guys are kind of pussies. Like, can any of you just have a drink? You don't always need to drink wine. I get it, you know, for health reasons. I'm not even saying drink a beer. But do none of you guys – like, Michael Jordan and Charles have to look at these guys like, what the fuck's wrong with you guys? Can, can someone get a double vodka around here? Can someone have a Jack and Coke? A Jack and Diet for you health nuts? It's – it, it, it to me kind of symbolizes the NBA right now. These just ultimate elitist rich guys that are just in their own little world. The, the, even rich, no one, if you got a group of super successful men in a, any other profession, do you agree that not all of them would order wine? Some of them would get a drink or even a beer. Maybe it was just like Chris Paul's winery was all the wine that was there. I mean, guy, you don't think they had an open bar. I don't know. Maybe it was just somebody like LeBron's private label. But LeBron wasn't there. It was kind of a little bit of a red flag. Yeah, that is. <laughs> you're not weird. there. You're not there to support your guy. Even Melo flew in. <laughs> I don't know. That's just that's a pet peeve of mine, right? Yeah, now. I, I haven't. Uh, I can't say that it's bothered me, but um, I, I understand the symbolism. I do understand. It's just the it's just kind of ridiculous. I, I have no. I wouldn't problem. go that far. Just, but I, I just think it's so soft, and I think it's representation representative of this world that the NBA is in right now. Like, if you got baseball or football players, to me, they represent what their fan base like. They're just more normal. You, you would, if you had baseball players, there'd be a lot of people drinking beers, people with cocktails, a couple guys drinking wine. Like, I'm not anti wine. Definitely football. You'd have some dudes with shoes in while they're drinking a beer. Like the, the NBA guys, they, they feel like. And, and they are. They're, they're in these huge houses at the top of the hill. They don't know what a normal person looks like to save their fucking life right now. This crew of guys is an all-time just out-of-touch group, I, I think. And it's only getting worse. But it doesn't matter. I mean, but people identify with NBA players more than any I'm other league. Just, so, but I'm not disputing that they're not superstars or whatever, and they're not super famous. I'm just saying the way they live is just – it's getting to, like, uh, Hollywood levels of just – warped it's always kind of been like that but uh-huh. even jordan like smokes and plays golf and drinks whiskey you know at least he does do some normal shit yeah i i know there was an, i remember last year there was a somebody wrote a big article about just the there is a wine craze in the nba and uh a lot of guys have become i'm doing air quotes here like obsessed with with wine so maybe it's something that's uh, you know the it's not, the group of players not that big. And I think it is something that you like. Well, rich people, you all know about wine. Um, I think it's I, I don't know who started. I'm not, I'm it feels like LeBron. Yeah, it feels, feels like, like LeBron. What? Well, no, I mean I don't I don't ca- I don't I can't say that I care <laughs> or like I, that I'm offended I, it, by it. it. It bothers me for some reason. Um, I'm more offended by the game, but I'm not even offended by the game. I I'll be I barely watched it. It it. The highlights of the dunk contest I thought were cool. I didn't watch the dunk contest, but I watched the highlights. I loved dudes dressing up, at least like making an effort to be creative. Like I appreciate that about the dunk contest. I think the dunk contest has gotten better. Again, didn't watch it, but the highlights you can make the dunk contest look good. Uh, NBA All Star Game has has not gotten better, but I also it is guy, to guy. me it just it's is hard. What it it's is. hard to watch when you're on national TV, motherfuckers. My brother in Hawaii, yeah, he's been on a seven week honeymoon. Must be nice. Takes me a picture at some bar. He's like, there's Guy. Actually, <laughs> he Snapchats me all the pictures so I can't copy them. Oh, you can't screen grab a Snapchat? Well, you can, but the person but the itch, knows. It, they know. And I don't like that. Yeah. And he knows that. That's why his generation does that. Yeah, it's smart. Uh, Cuban would have been all over that. Remember his cyber dust? He's <laughs> ahead of his time. It's yeah. a problem. And he, you know, avoid the SEC. But, uh, uh, like, to answer the original question, John, uh, I still don't think this is as bad as the Pro Bowl. Because, I, like, I saw Steph Curry do something in the All-Star game that I'd never seen anybody do. The the bounce pass alley-oop. I've never seen – I don't know if you've seen that. I've never seen that before. To me, in the history of the NBA, like, two guys could have done that. And one guy I never watched was Pistol Pete. But, I mean, all the things you've ever read or seen about Pistol Pete – and white chocolate, 
And Steph oh, kind of chocolate. is. That's right. Steph Curry to me yeah, is kind of morphed. And you don't get to see it a lot. And someone tweeted, and I thought it was put perfectly. Like Steph Curry just uses the all-star game to do all the things that Steve Kerr won't really let him do. <laughs> like there was a huge element to Steph of a little white chocolate and Pistol Pete. But he doesn't get to do it as much because the Warriors don't really play like that as much anymore. I mean, they kind of did for when they first got rolling, but not that they don't fuck around, but they don't fuck around anywhere to me nearly like they used to. Uh, and like he would have been liable to do that in a game five or six years. Like he's been thinking about that for a while and he did it to John. It was sweet. I mean, it was, it was easily the highlight of the all-star game. Yeah. One thing I refused to do yesterday was tweet. This sucks. Cause I'm just like, God, I, Everyone's tweeting. Like, it's just so easy to tweet that, and mm-hmm. I'm just not. And what do you turn it on expecting? Yeah, exactly. I knew, I knew what I was getting in bed with, which was fine, and that's why I turned it off and watched other stuff. Yeah, I mean, you... I, I actually I went back when the game was kind of close in in the fourth quarter, but again, it was just they just don't really play defense, and that's part of the. And they're all hungover. It's it's fine. I mean, it's how about how about Clay fouling Steph on the three? Did you see that? I, I missed that. He did like Steph did the leg kick out thing, got the call. And Clay was like, you know, Clay reacted like, like he got tricked, which he did. He made the shot. He made the three, yeah. So he and, got an and one. He got an and one on a three, fouled by Clay. I saw some people saying this game is not really conducive to Harden because they refs aren't really calling fouls. <laughs> no. They... So his whole game is and James. Like, what do I do? I don't know. James play, <laughs> shoot, <laughs> just. And he might have been the king of. Is there a chance that he did not come back to his hotel room till like seven in the morning? Or did, yeah, or just didn't. Period. I do think like, one thing that would help the game. I don't know what. Last I've never year's... seen a picture of him with one. I don't know if he's quite. T- he's using other things, which I appreciate. <laughs> uh, Ease dot com promo code ham. I um I do one thing. One thing that could just like accidentally had a help a game. This is a working theory. I didn't. I haven't looked at last year's box score, but I think if guy if if players shoot the ball well. Because we know guys are just going to take a bunch of bad shots. If they make those shots, I think that, like, I think when guys are making shots, then it just kind of naturally turns things up just a hair. I'm not saying it makes it ultra competitive, but if shots are big, but like, I'm just looking. Team LeBron shot 39 percent from three, and uh, Giannis's team shot 35 percent from three. Like, if we just stumble into a game where dudes are just everybody's just like draining, where it's like 44 or 43 percent from three. Maybe that helps it a little, because it's just you know when when all these random shots are getting missed, it's it no one gets in a flow at all. It's just it's just a big fuck around game now, which is that, gonna, yeah, it's going to be anyway, and it's only going to be worse. These, and these I still guys, take it over the Pro Bowl, John. I do too. I the the Pro Bowl is the worst display of athletic competition at the highest level in all of pro sports. I, I probably not even a close second, because at the end of the day, you can fuck around and still be watchable basketball. Well, you can't do that in football. And if you're not going to tackle, it's not the sport. Because you could argue, guys don't really play defense in the NBA anyway. <laughs> you know, they don't, I mean, they try a little harder. But in football, they, they're not even tackling. So you just, you just, you can't do it. It's 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 terrible. It, it's awful. Do you know that the Daytona 500 outdrew the All-Star game yesterday? Oh, I guess really? it was a good Daytona 500. I didn't know that. I mean, I'm guessing they got, what, 12,000, 13,000, something like that? The Daytona? Did you have a rating or something? 13, uh, yeah, it was like 11 to 10 or something. Which is about what they, I think they've lately been doing like eight or nine. The Daytona? Million, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the thing with the Daytona, not a big NASCAR guy, but a lot, like is Jeff Gordon, does Dale Earnhardt retire? I don't think they got a lot of quote-unquote, big-name stars because it's kind of in that transitional period. Yeah, Jeff is not uh, Jeff's not part of it. When, and Dale, I think, now is a commentator. And right. Jeff's Dale's been a commentator not in for a couple years. Yeah. Jeff's always just guy's just too good-looking of a, of a race car driver. I always I, liked Jeff Gordon. I saw a great thing. They had him go, I guess, somewhere in um, North Carolina. There's like a statue for Dale Sr. Yeah. And Jeff went and... It was like a quick, like three minute little video of Jeff going to see it and just talking about Dale. It was pretty good if you find it on the internet. You know what's an underrated interview? Maybe last year 
Joe Rogan had Dale Earnhardt Jr. on his podcast. And it was just kind of oh. a fascinating listen. Just talking about his dad stuff. Yeah, and just their relationship. Like Dale Sr. is kind of an old school asshole. Like he wasn't, he was a hard parent. You know, it wasn't just a lovey dovey relationship. Mm. And he was kind of always on the road. Like they grew a lot when, as he got older and got into racing. You know, I, I don't think it was. I, I don't know if people probably in the South know a lot more about the relationship. Just casual guy. You don't, I just didn't know anything about the relationship. Yeah. Dale seems Dale jr. Seems like just a pretty, pretty nice, good guy. Yeah. You know, type of guy that you just want to be friends with his uh, story actually of when he got a bad concussion, when he first realized it and had him, he's a diehard Redskins fan and they had had a race and that's when it started hitting and he was going to a Redskins game the next day, like Daniel Snyder had invited him into the into the box for like a Monday night football game, and he had gone to the Monday night football game, and he said his head was pounding so much, and he was like trying to – Dan brought him there to kind of schmooze with some of his people, and he was like throwing up in the bathroom. It was, a, it was like, wow, miserable experience. Mm. NFL saved him. <laughs> yeah, CT. John, uh, we talked Friday – about that today today was going to be the day unless it wasn't going to be the day that Bryce Harper signed here we are Monday Monday morning Manny Machado Bryce Harper uh you know uh, Kevin Durant signed on a holiday maybe maybe these guys will sign on a holiday today Kevin Durant signed on the 4th of July I'm coming home yeah coming home to Philly or San Diego I'll tell you this if one of those guys signs with San Diego I'm gonna see I I don't mind really because you see him all the time I wouldn't mind Bryce Harper going to San Diego because it's kind of like a – I feel the Giants have let this thing kind of – they've thrown their hat in the ring, but are they really in it or did they offer him like a two-year $80 million deal? You know, they offer yeah, him three, – three, one fifty, Something like that. Like where, no, he was never even entertaining your offer, but it feels like they got a legit chance. And it's just – that shouldn't be tolerated anymore. Like the Yankees or the Phillies or the Red Sox to me, their fan base would crush the team if they continually, they keep dipping their fingers, you know, and their toes in the water here, but they're not really as close as it kind of feels like. And then part of it is just the way the media is covered. The way Comcast tweets, all these stories, it's very just aggregator. You know, and it just makes you feel like they're a lot closer. And they've—I don't think they've ever been very close at all. And if he goes to San Diego, it's like, how would the Padres, whatever they pay him, you guys could have easily just paid him that money, and you didn't. Yeah, look, I'd love for the Giants to sign him, but I like to me, there's a difference between. I think there there's a difference between the Giants now and however they've operated now that Farhan is the general manager. I think there is a great argument to be made that. Bryce is not worth whatever he'll ultimately get. And then there was the article from, uh, who wrote that? Was that the Washington Post on Saturday? The quote from the anonymous vet that was like, print that. Basically, it's hard to, the quote was basically, it's hard to, or I don't think it, this wasn't a direct quote, but what the, the point was, it's hard to hold the other 24 guys accountable when the one guy doesn't do any of the basics that misses cutoff men, doesn't, every week he misses a cutoff guy or doesn't hustle or just does something that is not a winning play, and it's hard to hold the rest of the guys at the clubhouse accountable when, when someone's getting away with it. I was like, oh, that is a red flag, because I do buy that. And what's $300 million going to do? Only make that worse, right? So, I, like, this is one of those, I'd celebrate if they got him selfishly from a Giants perspective. I'm not going to be mad if they don't, but I think where he ends up is a big deal, particularly – like, there's a big difference between San Diego and Philadelphia just in terms of his number, what his numbers would be. Like, I think there's a better – I think the best chance to make it look like Bryce has earned his money is in the ballpark in Philadelphia. Like, yeah, I think he's going to hit bombs. Um, I do think if they paid him $300 million, guy, <clears throat> in the history of the sport, let alone, let alone the history of that city, you could argue just with that amount of money and what that – signing would do to that franchise there might never have been an athlete with more individual pressure on them than what he would feel and get on a daily do you know the big winner i was thinking yesterday Hmm. would be in this signing would be carson wentz not not that 
he wouldn't still get talked about in this whole offseason yeah. and once the season starts. But, like, if Bryce is hitting 220 and the Phillies, like, are we going to win the NL East? Wentz could kind of ease back in to everyone liking him, him taking dudes to Sixer games. Like, you know, Foles is out of there. It's his city again. If I'm Wentz, I'm rooting for him to come just because, good or bad, it just takes a little bit of the limelight off him. I, I think, don't know. I think there's a chance, guy. He has not signed with Philly. I wonder if Bryce, who's played in that fucking division and seen that, is a little apprehensive about going all in on that town. Like, it would not be easy. Uh, first of all, I think the point on Carson's a fantastic point. It's a great point. I, it's a great point. Because there's no doubt. Now, does it change how much attention Carson gets when the Eagles roll onto the field? No. But in June, it does. It absolutely I, does. In training camp and OTAs, it just eases it a little bit. It abs- and then look, let's say he's not playing great in October. This is what we've discovered with ter- the difference between podcasting and terrestrial radio. When every minute matters in terrestrial radio, you literally can't talk about two things at one time. Whereas, like, a podcast, we can talk about one thing now and one thing later, and you, as a listener, get to decide when to listen to, which one to listen to, what how, what order you want to listen to it in if you want. You can skip around. But the fact is that uh, the Phillies are a big deal, but when given the choice in September to talk about one or the other, I'm guessing you lived there, I didn't, I visited once, that the Eagles still drive the boat. Well... Now, all of a sudden, let's say it's September and you're in a race and Bryce is one for his last 22. Like, if you're Carson, you're going, this does not suck. Well, there, there was, you know, a, a historic story that everyone in Philly kind of talks about and just was a major muscle flex for Jeffrey Lurie. The year that they won the World Series in 08 or 09 when they played the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, that year, every regular season Eagle game that was on the same day or that week as the World Series games or even the playoff games, every Eagle game outrated them. Every single one. And there was one night, it might have been the next year when they played the Yankees, they had like a, they basically had a double header. The Philly-Yankee game started at four, the World Series, and then there was a Monday night football game that started at, you know, eight. So it was like, and you know how the way the stadiums are right next to each other. It was just a celebration. And mm-hmm. obviously the Eagles just, it's it's the Eagles town. Now, one thing that's, it's all relative. Like, you know, I'm more of a football, golf, college football guy than I am a baseball guy. Yeah, I watch a baseball game every night. So it's like the Phillies and the Sixers are still a fucking enormous deal, right? I mean, like Sports Talk Radio in Boston, you got two stations doing tens. You know, it, it just things matter there more, even if one team means more than the other. If this, if the Phillies sign this guy, I don't know. It's probably one of the top five sports moments in the history of the city. If they were to give him like this historic amount of money, given to where I think everyone thinks this team is going to go like right away, and I do think it would be a little easier for Bryce in the sense that he's been in the division. So people have seen a lot of him the last five or six years. You know, he's not some random player. I, not that that would help if he's struggling or whatever, but people kind of know what they're getting in Philly because, again, they've seen him. And I, I vividly remember, like, a lot of big home runs he's hit at that ballpark, like late in the game or against them in Washington. I mean, when you just play someone in the division, you get a better feel for him if you're a, if you're a fan of that team, like who they play in the division, right? If the Giants sign Nolan Arenado tomorrow – it's not like signing some random, you know, I, I can't uh, like uh, Mookie Betts or whatever. The, the fans would just know who the guy is, or a yeah. dude from the Dodgers, or Paul Goldschmidt. So it would be a little easier, but man, I, I, my theory is that Bryce a little hesitant if he can get the money from someone else to go to Philly, just because how hard it would. It, would there be a harder city given what they would give him? given the way the team is constructed. Like, if he went to the Yankees, and let's say the Yankees gave him $300 million, there's just not as much pressure on him because he's got the other fucking two dudes. In Philly, you got Ryan Hoskins, but at the end of the day, like, Philly's is a pro sports town. Reese. Like, Ryan's great, or Reese, Sac State guy, went to Jesuit High School. He's making six hundred k. Like, Bryce, you're making $35 million. Right. Yeah, I, I think it'd be more stressful than New York, given that the Yankees have other stars. I don't even think it's close. Even you know now it's not. I'm not saying it's the Nats, but even the Nats have other stars. Like on the day that Max Scherzer pitches, a lot of people get around his locker. 
they, they have two pitchers that are making a combined like $400 million, you know? They, they are Strasburg's always a story just because he's not healthy yeah, or whatever's they, going on with him. I think it would be really difficult, and I think a big reason he has not signed twofold, one, is these stat GMs. Now, again, it's ultimately the owner decides. I think the offers have been well, well under the hype that Boris has made this out to be for years. And I, I also think some of these teams, even if you're involved like the Phillies, are am I bidding against myself? Because wasn't the famous Zito story? Is the Giants ended up giving him 125 million, and the next highest bidder was the Mets at like 80. So God, you could have got him for like 90. And if you're the Phillies right now, let's say I really want him. If you start realizing, if the Giants, you have a good relationship with Zadi, like, hey, we're giving him a three, we've three year offer. That's what we've given him. The Padres, Bryce's people have said he does not want to play there. Why wouldn't I lower my offer to like 240, 220? I think that's a problem for Boris right now. Yeah, they're I mean, just the other, not the feeding frenzy. The other part for the the Giants like just needed a face at post Barry Bonds. Isn't it funny now looking back? Like one twenty six for seven years, like not that bad, you know? No, it's not that crazy at all. But bad. just but from a wasn't. business standpoint, they didn't need to go to that number given that there weren't other people bidding against them. To get them. the player, yeah. No, I know. I'm, I tell you this, I am far more interested in the Bryce than the Manny Machado. I, I also think. A Rod got 250 a couple times. Would you say A Rod is dramatically a better player than Bryce? Yes. Like in his peak. Bryce's best, which was not what we had this year, what we had a few years ago, was pretty great. But I mean, A Rod played a pre. A Rod played shortstop. Also, and he hit, and he was, but he was 350 and 120 every year. Yeah, I mean, so. I think and there, Bryce were, there is, weren't knocks of him being a lazy worker or lazy – he he tried hard in the game. He was just a right. kind of a weird guy. Yeah. I mean, Bry, Bryce's MVP – Bryce's best is great, but it's – part of A-Rod was that he was always great. He could have won the MVP basically every year. Um, Lincoln Riley was on – I think he did the – did he do Florio's show or whatever? But he was talking about – oh, no, he did – it was um, Peter King, money yeah. winning quarterback. Did you know that that that? And he said he can't see five players going ahead of Kyler Murray. He also correctly. Do you know Kyler? Did you see the stat that Kyler Murray eighty nine percent of his passes came from inside the pocket? That was part of the conversation with Peter because Lincoln said he thought it was like eighty five to ninety, and he was right. It was eighty nine percent came from inside the pocket. Do you take any? Do you take Lincoln Riley's Kyler Murray takes um, as honest takes as real predictions? For for the most part, I would say no. You know, given a coach in a vacuum talking about their their player, but even though he's only been a head coach now, what three years? Was it two years? That was a second year last year. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, he hasn't last been year was the second year. His experience with a quarterback going high, he doesn't know what it looks like, <laughs> right? And sometimes you think about it. There's a recent track record when Dabo said. Deshaun Watson's Michael Jordan. Everyone's like, oh, my God, this is just the hyperbole here. Well, it turns out, I mean, he's pretty fucking good, you know? Like, Dabo was a little over, but d- does Dabo have a pretty good idea what an NFL player looks like right now? I'd say yeah. He's sending nine defensive players to the combine. W- does Lincoln Riley have a pretty good idea of what a top-five quarterback looks like? Yeah, I mean, he's so far he's one for one. <laughs> Dude went first overall, and this guy – I don't know if he's going to go one, but he's going to go fucking high. And the one nugget I saw Peter King wrote, and it'd be one thing if you and I were saying it, and people would be like, oh, you're just trying to stir the pot? Cough! Peter wrote that he he's heard over and over that the Raiders are enamored with Kyler Murray. I, I might be using the word differently, but love him. Let's go and with enamored. Like, Think how easy it would be for them to trade Derek to the New York Giants or the Miami Dolphins. Like, you could flip them, no problem. I mean, I'd be all for that. Probably one of the reasons I, Derek's blocked me on Twitter because I've said over and over, Derek should want to get traded. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you don't want to be here. Here, I don't even know what here means. There is no here. They don't have a home. But <laughs> uh, being traded, especially if he's traded to the New York Giants, now the media market gets a lot more intense, but 
the team, if they keep Odell Beckham, is pretty equipped to win. But you're not equipped. Derek is in a situation that if he does stay, they're equipped to get their ass kicked next year. They're not going to be good. And it's kind of an easy reset if you're the Raiders and you trade Derek and you take Kyler at four. You get a couple extra picks for Derek, maybe a couple second rounders, and you got the two first rounders, and you got your second. Like you could do a kind of roll Kyler Murray into Vegas. It does make some sense. And uh, Gruden even said, guy at the Senior Bowl, that that he had to kind of change his mindset on height. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I called. You? Huh? Did I sell you on that uh, transaction happening? Yeah, um, I found I found exactly what you're talking about. I wasn't enamored, but it was damn close. Fascinated. I hear the Raiders are fascinated with Murray. If so, Oakland could flip Carr to Jacksonville or Miami or Washington or the Giants and pick Murray. How bizarre would it see to see him? Would it be to see him playing uh, on the Oakland A's field for one season? Um, and by the way, it's not MMQB anymore. It's FNIA or FN. This is the football. It's called Peter King's Football Morning in America. FMIA. Um, Breer is now the MMQB, which I wish Peter was allowed to take that, but I understand it. I mean, he's got a website, mmqb.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, no, you sold me. I mean, I like. I don't think we have any. Ev- we don't have enough evidence to feel like we know what John Gruden's going to do. He's been the coach for a year. Now we know he loves veteran players. We know that, but I don't know what he thinks of quarterbacks. I know last year was awful. <laughs> That's what I know. I know last year stunk for John Gruden. It got their, stunk. got their ass kicked consistently. Like, I watched that season, and we talked about it a million times, and thought, he's not going to see 10 years in this contract. Not because he's getting fired, because he's not going to do it. He's not going to do this for 10 years. That's not even arguable. You know, even they're going to do it for hard. six. Not like that. So, yeah, I, I, why isn't it a conversation? So, let's go through the top five. You got Josh Rosen and the Cardinals at one. I, I think it's fair to say does feel a little extreme given what they'd have to do to make the change, given they just drafted the guy last it do, year. But, it does feel extreme, but if you're hiring Cliff Kingsbury... Yeah, it's not crazy. You're going to dip your toe or you're going to go all in? It's one hut. It cannot be discounted. Like, it's a talking point that does have some substance to it. Who's yeah. drafting two? The Niners. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo is a 100% lock unless he gets injured this offseason to be their quarterback week one. So they are not taking Kyler Murray. Who's drafting three? The New York Jets. They are 100% taking Sam Darnold. And I'd take Sam Darnold over Kyler Murray. Then you get to four, to me, is just... <clears throat> there. It just can't be... I, I, I see Raider fans too often saying, like, Gruden says he's our guy. He said that all last year about Khalil Mack at this time. He had a fucking party at Ricky's where they chanted, like, I can't wait to get Khalil Mack back. That happened right before training camp. So if you think that he wouldn't trade Derek Carr if he falls in love with Kyler Murray, you just refuse to watch what just happened. Now, I think it's easy to justify in their building, and Mayock has said this, and it does make sense. We have so many needs. Carr is the last one, which is fair. So you could easily go other ways. But there is an element of right now your team stinks, mm-hmm. and it's going to be bad again. Where if you want a little juice going into Vegas, what better way than to have Kyler Murray? Because Derek's at the point right now where he doesn't quite have the juice anymore as a super. He's not a – would you say Derek's a star right now in the NFL? Um, I It's tough, right, because everything he does does get kind of – when he's not good, it gets analyzed because he is viewed as a guy that we think should be good, right? But I, that's what I'm – I think he's super famous because he's a starting NFL quarterback. Oh, oh, oh. But I, I, that, that's, I don't Sorry, think I thought you meant by that measure. As a player, Yeah, I no, don't think he's, he's viewed as a star right now as a no, player. As he shouldn't be. He's not, He hasn't played that way in a while. Yeah, I agree. And Kyler is – we haven't seen him play, so that's one thing he has going for him. Would immediately be a rock star, right? Especially going to Vegas. That would be a big selling point. Provided he's good. Yeah, but you get a couple year buffer as a young player in the NFL. You just look you look man you look serviceable, yeah. One hundred percent. So if I didn't that well, you said eighty nine percent from the pocket? Yeah. How about that? 
I remember Andy told me the way he did the Mahomes eval. He's like, you just take every pass at Texas Tech that's a quick screen or a wide receiver screen, and you just siphon that out. So you just watch every pass he makes down the past the line of scrimmage. He's like, it's not that difficult. Everyone's like, oh, they throw in the spread offense. We'll just take away the layup throws and watch every normal throw. And he's he had a great point, too. He's, he's like, it, 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 you think it's hard to evaluate now. Imagine 20 years ago when some guys threw seven times a game. It's never been easier. I Even if I siphon those passes out, the average these guys average 40 passes a game past the line of scrimmage. Like, what else do you want? Are we just complaining to complain? So Kyler, I would imagine a lot of diehard football people tell you his eval, his eval as a player is probably pretty easy because he does throw from the pocket. He throws the ball down the field. He is accurate. The, the, the knock on him is just strictly the height and the mass and the hand size. That's the questions. And, I, I don't and think no one's really sat down with him yet. Yeah, and we really haven't dove into his character. Not, a, I guess his character is the wrong word because I think he his football character, John. His football character. Yeah, is he big ego guy? Is he because that's it does feel, and it be natural baseball player, a little individual, but it, all his teammates. I've never read anything bad about him, but you know it's draft time. There's bound something negative is going to come out in the next month. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. A teammate said that when he asked for a spot in the weight room, Kyler just walked right by. Character. <laughs> what were the things last year about Josh Rosen? People are just tired of him always asking why. Well, the the best one was the the what's his name Hightower, was that his name Alonzo Highsmith, ran into the UCLA women's volleyball team in the airport right, and was- asked the coach because Rosen's girlfriend was on the team, and the coach wouldn't. It's like, well, you can ask you can ask yourself. She's over there, or something like that, right? Like the coach didn't give him a glowing review of the volleyball the volleyball coach. Do you see the picture of Rosen's Tesla get hit? No, did he? I'm guessing he posted it. He posted it. He's like, I'm okay, but my car. And it looked like he got T-bone, just got destroyed. Oh, in the back. I, yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's on ArizonaCardinals.com. They must. <laughs> well, they must just like post people. No, it's they wrote the story. Well, I, I do think if your quarterback's in a car accident, you just want to be like, he's okay. Yeah. Quarterback for long? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, right. I, I do think he ends up going in the top five. Some, where, how. Because a lot of people keep saying, and we get this a lot because the Raiders and Niners both draft in the top four. Like, both those two teams, definitely the Niners, I could 1,000% see them trading back five or six spots to get more picks. They have five picks in this draft, guy. Five. Now they might get a compensatory pick. And I talked to someone with the Niners that said they they, they, they are going to get one. They just don't know where yet. That happens, I think, right at the opening of the league year. Okay. Because the money, the new cap gets set, and it gets determined, you know, last year's spending, and that gets determined, right, who you let go in free agency and who you sign. That's how you get compensatory picks. Uh, clearly, Ozzy Newsom. Remember, they've written articles like his algorithm to always like they get like seven compensatory picks a year because they let every free agent walk. That he he like lives for the third round compensatory. Uh, but I, I I could picture the I I can see the Niners trading back, and I, I I would trade back if I was them. The Raiders would they trade up for Kyler Murray? I mean, my my view on the quarterbacks is like, like, could you see this? The Raiders you, trade Derek Carr for the Giants second. The Raiders use that second to give to the Niners to flip two spots, and so the Niners then get two twos. Yeah, I mean, you know? I, my my view on quarterbacks is if there's a guy you, you like, about, you like that deal. I do like that deal. Do we just figure out a trade for both teams? You should come on KNBR later today and suggest that to. trade. Actually. Okay, let's All move right. the needle. I just booked a guest. Uh, hopefully you're listening to this before that, and you can hear terrestrial. We'll see if it fits my schedule. We, we, you can hear the podcast world infiltrating the terrestrial radio world just for entertainment's sake. Um, I was surprised by this story Friday, and you and I were texting about it a little bit, or you texted me the link to it when it happened. 
But Jim Levitt, like, John, it's it's February. Jim Levitt's just not the defensive coordinator at Oregon anymore. And I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about Oregon this year on this podcast, A, just because you and I love college football, we watch it, but B, because of Justin Herbert. And Oregon football is just a big deal. And Jim Levitt, we've been talking about him forever. And he's just gone. And the part that got they mutually agreed to part ways – um, and the co-defensive coordinator, Keith Hayward, has taken over the job. What got me about it was how everybody was reacting to it like, oh, yeah, they just, you know, they just couldn't coexist, so it was bound to happen. I'm like, guys, it's February. Maybe – now, I, I will say this. I was Keith texting- Hayward's been on basically every team in the Pac-12. He was with Sark in Washington, Sark SC. He's been at Oregon State. He's been a lot of places. If he's the Keith Hayward I'm thinking of. Black, what? bald-headed guy, DB coach. Yeah. I, you said played at Oregon State? Yeah, coach yeah. was Sark in a couple places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the right guy. Yes. Um, the part that coach, at, coach was Sark at SC after he coached with Sark at UW. Yeah. Um, the part that, that – one thing that I had heard over the weekend was that – and I don't know exactly how you balance it, but that Keith, like, co-DC, he'd been doing a lot. And somebody suggested to me they thought maybe he'd been doing it. By the end of the year, I don't know if that's true, but that like, like the co in this case, my point is was not Levitt and then Keith Hayward like doing nothing behind him. Like it, if anything, Keith Hayward was doing a lot by the end of the year. So I don't know, but it's just a, it's kind of a weird. You got a big year coming up, and there's a weird story. As someone in the know texted me on Friday because I texted him like, "What's the deal?" And he said, "Been in the works for a long time," and I'm not. You're more locked into it than me. I, this story had kind of been somewhat under the wraps that they're that they're legit. I don't know. Hatred might be strong, but they did not get along. Mario and Levitt, two meatheads that couldn't get along anymore. And Levitt is a Harbaugh guy. Like he's a, he's a, <laughs> he used to run sprints. Remember at USF as the head coach before the game in his coaching outfit, run gassers. I mean, he is a Harbaugh guy to the T. Well, Mario's. If Mario Mario would have been a Harbaugh type guy too, they just they weren't separate thinkers. They they were too much alike. And as you told me before the podcast, and I've forgotten this, they, they kind of interviewed against each other for the Not job. Kinda, did they did? Levin they interviewed came, for did the it, job. Did it come down to those two guys? Almost. I don't know if it came down to those two, but um, I think there was some feeling at the time like we got to find a way to keep Jim. Well, that guy, they just paid him like $2 million a year. Yeah, well, that's how they kept him. But it's not a situation, like, I think for Jim Levitt, like, he'd been want, and I'd heard for a while, he's wanted to be a head coach again. And, uh, you know, this was a pretty great opportunity. And then you get the job, and you you both had, it's one thing to get beat up by, but you both were there already. Then you both interview, then they pick the other guy. So I do understand, like, you could make the case, it, it would take a unique situation for that to last long term if but wouldn't wouldn't you say they kept them this long for recruiting purposes or something like they didn't do it because you just would have got rid of them after the season if you did hatred was really that strong why why'd they keep them this long yeah i don't know i don't know what maybe he found something else i but it's monday nothing i haven't heard that maybe it took a while to find something i don't know you know i think one thing that'll get pointed to a lot and i don't understand it it's not like their defense was I think you could make the case they did underperform a little based on defensive talent last year. Which, you know, I think one of the things that Levitt's hung his hat on is his te- his defenses have just been, like, fantastic in the Pac-12. First Colorado, and then even in Oregon. They took a big jump when he got there. With Willie's year. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't, I think based on the, like, they, have, they had good defensive talent last year, I thought, going into the year. And they what was the record as- last year? Eight and four, seven and five. Um, but he got hurt. The quarterback. Yeah. So to me, to me, and I people that know Mario that like him just think that it was pretty crazy that he got the job. Now it was a weird circumstance. He didn't just Oregon came open right, and he got hired on a national search. Yeah. He was there. They had a historic thing going on recruiting wise. Well, and also they had just lost a coach after they had just hired a guy from outside and lost that guy, right? A program yeah. that perennially promotes from within hired a guy from outside and that guy left after a year. Yeah. So, so people, yeah, they, they were in a weird spot. 
I do think it's fair to say, though, if you remove that circumstance and just put it, they came open, who would they hire? Mario Cristobal would not have got the job. Zero chance. So a lot of people in the industry that know him, I don't know anything about him besides seeing some interviews and kind of reading his resume. That a lot of people that I know that I trust that know these type people think he's over his head. And there is going to be a tangible pressure on this team given the hype of their recruiting for the last 24 months, given that they have a quarterback that many people are going to call a top 10 prospect in this draft, given that the Pac-12 is down to not go double-digit wins. And people that I know think that a disaster is coming just because Mario's just in over his head. Now, maybe they have enough talent. We'll see. They do play in the harder of the two sides. So you're just getting Stanford. You're getting Washington. You're getting Washington State. Cal's no fucking pushover. Oregon State's not great, but those other, I mean, that's really hard. It's going to be hard for them to not lose some games on top of they open at Auburn, right? Or at a neutral site against Auburn. Yeah, Jerry World. So I don't think you have to win that game. Like Washington was fine. They went toe-to-toe, lost in a close game. But you get blown out, you're behind the eight ball to start off. And it would. I don't think he'd be a lock to keep his job if the season were to get yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, look. I, ultimately, I, I, over his head to me feels pretty strong, just based on watching them this last year. Like I thought they, when they played the best programs in the league, they when, hung. when I when I like, say they went over, over his, when I say over his head relative to their standard, the Bellotti and Chip, what they're looking for in a coach, like their yeah. Standard. No, I get that. I'm that's, just saying, like I. Like they might lose, they might not win enough games. I don't. They might not. They the odds are just stacked against you. Um, but I think they've got. I do think they've got a chance. Like I don't think he's in their way. The way it sounds like some people that you know think. Um, just because again, like I, I watched them last year and thought they, this team's got a chance. Didn't you feel that way watching them? And I don't mean just like obviously again, maybe I verbalized it wrong because again this this guy's been an assistant for safe. This guy is a high level college football assistant. I just think a lot of people view him. Kind of like the way I talk about Fangio. I don't think he's a head coach. Yeah, I think, I, I think like this guy's a head coach. Is, That's what I'm talking. I think about. what this I'm hearing you like say. I think what I'm hearing you say is people think that job is a great job, and the person who should have that job is somebody who's won as a head coach at a high level. Is that could kind you of the argue point? it's one of the top probably 10, 12 jobs in college football? Yeah, you could. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because you can clearly recruit there, which I mean, he's clearly getting a doing. Yeah, I just think when you equate it to just the Pac-12 North, Pete's a better coach, Leach's a better coach, and fair. I mean, but Shaw's better. These guys, oh, these guys, top fifteen coach. Yeah, it's just no one thinks that this guy ever has the high end to be on those guys' level. I, I I'd personally take Wilcox over Mario. I don't know anything about the Oregon State guy, which you, Jonathan Smith. I I think he's. I mean, again, it's hard to judge them, but. Yeah, I, hit, I, I, I think Mario's been a head coach before and earned it. You'd put him over, yeah, Jonathan Smith. But so you got the arguably the second to last best coach in your own division. The Oregon before, I mean, Bilotti was a top fifteen coach in the country. Chip at one point in time felt like a top two or three coach in the country. That's again, that's their standard. That's what they're looking for, right? But also, like that's what we th- that's what we think. We've had one year of it, and. They beat UW in that year. The Stanford game was wild. They lost, the Washington State game was the most disappointing one. You remember that, coming off the Washington win. But, but my point is just the sta- the expectations come – does any team out west have higher expectations coming into the season? This year or just in general? Because, like, USC – This year. This year. No. Well, I think um, – the short like who's going to be the highest rated preseason West Coast team is probably going to be them. Yeah, who would even be in the mix? Washington? Well, I do think I know Washington lost a lot on defense, but they've replaced that before. Like they are rolling out Georgia's quarterback this year, but it's just hard to know. Like what? But I mean, everyone raves about what he's been, Jacob Eason, since he's been in the program. Yeah, like it. Like it sounds like there's going to be no competition for who's going to win that job. But. And but, he's young, right? He's only a redshirt sophomore. Right. But, again, it's, I mean, to answer the, your original question, yeah, Oregon will be the most highly, I think, will be the most highly rated. They, and I think they'll be rated really high. Like, they'll be top. There's a chance, I think, that they're top 12. I think they'll be top 15. Yeah, I think they'll be 8, 9, or 10. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible. 
Because look around the country. Is Oklahoma going to be a top 10 team? Maybe just on high. I mean, Jalen Hurts is their quarterback. So, okay, they're a top 10 team. Alabama, top 10 team. Georgia, top 10 team. Michigan, Ohio. You know, it's Clemson. they're going to be right in the mix. Yeah. Clemson? Clemson, for sure. Clemson's going to be one. Clemson, Alabama, one, two, some order. Where's yeah, Texas so yeah, going to be? Texas will be high. They, they finish strong. LSU will be high. I think we just named about 10 teams. So, yeah, they'll probably be. No, there's a real chance that they're – John, I don't think you're crazy to say there's a chance they're top 10. I, I think that's that's fair. Because I, I think at the end of the day, someone could feel okay. The Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, that's your four, five, six. But, like, you could justify – I wouldn't put in Oregon above LSU or Texas, right? They're going to be right in that little clump. Yeah. And, again, I they don't deserve it. Like, you can't put Oregon above LSU, but they might. Just go there. In the yeah, I mean, and, and, and that and that that poll is not really about deserve, right? It's historically been about just hype, which they'll have. A Oregon lot. never lacks it. Yeah. All right. See, I mean, look at this. Come on, nothing nice. going on this week. Hey, this is the week everyone takes vacation except us. Ease dot com. We got you, dog. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. All right, Middlecoff, um, I got to catch up on that. What was that documentary you told me to watch on Netflix? Oh, I highly recommend this, Abducted in Plain Sight. It's so over the top, it's almost not believable. Abducted in Plain Sight. Abducted in Plain Sight. You okay. can find it easily on this Netflix. Is home, this is podcast homework for the week. Everyone, you got to go watch Abducted I, in Plain Sight. I, I, I would like to talk about this the next time that we uh, we do a podcast. Okay. It's an easy watch. I will, try, I will try and watch this by, I guess, Wednesday. Watch it with your wife. You guys would. I mean, well, I'm not gonna. I won't be able to watch it with her, but I'll. Um, she watched the whole Bundy thing without me the other night. The Bundy thing is pretty crazy. I mean, his story is pretty well documented, but Pac-12 guy. Uh, Where'd he go to school? UW. And and oh I, yeah, I, he's from Seattle. But I also read in his bio again. I haven't watched this. That there were some like he attended Utah. Well, he, he, like, operated between Seattle, Utah, Idaho. Like, that was his kind. He was a Northwest roamer gotcha. and ki- slash killer. Gotcha. And then when he broke out, he ended up in Tallahassee. That's how I always remembered him, from Florida State, Tallahassee. That's where he did, like, his epic sorority move. You know, that it's whenever I thought about Ted Bundy, the majority of my life, I thought about a guy that killed sorority chicks. But really, the majority of his killing career did not involve that. Mm. You know, he was roaming up in Seattle and Utah, Salt Lake City. And again, when you you realize when you don't have the internet uh, and there are, you don't have cell phones, it is pretty hard to communicate when something weirds happening in Michigan and you want to contact someone in California. Like there, our society right now doesn't really parallel what was going on forty years ago. Just in most basic elements of the way we operate, right. Like, hey, guy, you want to record a podcast? Cool. I'll do it from my office. You do it from the Pac-12 studios on this thing called fucking Wi-Fi. You have these things, earphones in your ears that can just plug there, and then you plug in this thing, and you talk right into it, and we can just record it. And then link it to this thing called – this company called Apple, and they host your podcast. Also, Spreaker hosts actually hosts our podcast. And then it goes out to everyone, and they can just press play and listen to what we just talked about. While they're waiting for ease to deliver to their home. <laughs> yeah, that did not work when Ted Bundy was doing his stuff in the 70s. No. All right. On that note, uh, well, right, tell me the name one more time. i got to write this down. Abducted in Plain Sight. Abducted in Plain Sight. Okay. Done. It's the next thing I watch since I'm already caught up on True Detective. All right. Peace. Later. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.